podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What follows is an interview with me and Jamie Carragher, uh, having a good chat about Shabby Alonso. We're having a chat about Shabby Alonso, amongst other things, because we've secured an interview with Shabby Alonso that we're really, really pleased with. Uh, John and Andy went over to Munich to interview Shabby at Bayern Munich's training ground. That'll be out on Friday at 4pm. I don't know what time you're listening to this interview with Jamie. In this interview with Jamie, he talks about Shabby, how it was when he first arrived at the club, and his development all the while as Jamie was watching him as a footballer and as a person, really. It's fascinating stuff. He doesn't just stick to Shabby Alonso because he's Jamie Carragher and I'm me we got off the point a few times uh, and go off on a few tangents really really pleased and can't thank Jamie enough for spending the time to come in and do it with us uh, and find this really really strong sort of conversation around football and around the Reds so here we go uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie Carragher on many things really predominantly Jabby Alonso but we move all around the houses see you in a minute and Neil Atkinson and Jamie Carragher before we get stuck in I'm not going to interrupt you. I won't take a chance. <laughs> oh, no, no. I've set me Amy standards now. You made it crystal inside. clear? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everyone's well aware of that now. <laughs> I've seen uh, Darren Farley put something on here. Twitter. I retweeted it for him. That's uh, Just shut up now. No one's allowed to interrupt me. But but I'm now not allowed to interrupt anyone ever again. Because you're going to get it live. Of course. I'm going to uh, get that one thrown up. No. I, uh... <laughs> it was the sheer, the sheer exasperation. We do so many shows, and nothing, like it's one a show. Someone looks at me the way you looked. At the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why, what are you doing there? there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got to show a fuse from. I think the day I was born, I showed it as a fan, as a, as a player, and I was a pundit. And it's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Been rambunctious few weeks anyway. Talk about something good and positive, really. But you said you'd come in and have a chat to us about the career of Jabby Alonso and, you know, Andy and John are interviewing him and that's that's exciting for them. But just wanted to... I think it's funny to, for you to talk about Jabby Alonso because your career is fantastic at Liverpool. Liverpool all the way. And then you look at his career, which is fantastic, and you look at the way in which it's divided into sections. The Boyle club, but he leaves so young, they give him a sword. Yeah. Then it's the Liverpool section, then the, then the Madrid section, and then the Munich section. And you must sort of look at that and think, you know, that's... He's had, quite, he's had quite a different life there. You're both really intelligent fellas, both love the game, and you've, you've done it different ways, but you've, you've each had a fantastic time playing footy. Yeah, I mean, for someone in my position, it would always be difficult to leave Liverpool, and whether I was good enough to play for, whether the club Xavi played with, probably not. Well I, well, I wasn't. I think Xavi was a better player than me also, that's why he's played for those clubs. But I think for, for a local player who plays for a big club, it's always difficult to move. One, you, you don't want to move. Yeah. And, and if you do move, it's normally because the club have had enough of you or Liverpool have a move you're on. But with, with Xavi or a player who comes through, of that quality who plays for a club who are never going to win a Champions League, yeah. almost won La Liga, I think, in his first season, yeah, I should yeah. add, but not really. A, I'd say, I think they won it in the mid-80s, early 80s, I think Sociedad won a couple of leagues, or one definitely. So you're always going to move on, and if you could pick a career and pick clubs, I mean that is just you're not getting better than that, are you? You know, we'll always say we're the biggest and the best in in England, buying Germany, Real Madrid, Spain. So I mean, it's just you know what a CV and clubs to say that you've played for and experiences that you've had, and also not just playing for those clubs, being instrumental in those clubs. In that, before we get into literally the playing side, one of the things that I took from it was from him being in the city was how much he committed to the city so it must be funny for you you see you know you've got you go through your whole career at the time where there's increasing overseas players coming into liverpool and they must all commit differently to the city and obviously you love the city still live here now so you must some of them you must think 
why, why, why is this fella not taking it seriously? Why is this yeah. fella acting like this? Why is this fella being disrespectful in some way? Whereas some, you must see like Alonso, for instance, who lived in the city centre, wanted to be part of that life and engage with it a bit. And, you you know, so straight away, you must warm more to those players instinctively, no matter how good they are as, as people, if you know what I mean. Well, you do. I think it makes you give them the benefit of the doubt, especially if they start, they don't start particularly well. You, you feel like they've embraced it. They, they buy into what it's about and they want to know more of, of Liverpool than just a football club. They want to know about the city, the culture, the meeting people. And the way Liverpool people are, nothing better than seeing one of the players on the streets, is he? Or, you know, no. you see him going in for a bevy or something to eat, some lunch in town or whatever it is, you think, straight away you think, oh, I like that. I like, yeah, I like yeah. the look of that. He's uh, he's not getting too ahead of himself. You know what it's like in, in this city. We don't like big heads. And I think someone who looks like he's, he's down to earth, he's mixing in, I think it gives you a great start. I think it also helps you on the pitch. You've got a greater understanding of what maybe the supporters want and how they're thinking. Would you be a bit jealous of that? Because I remember mm. the, the sort of period we're talking about. People used to say to me, oh, Gerard can't go for a pint in town. He could never go for a pint in town because he'd, be, he'd have the blues on one hand, he'd get mobbed on the other. Yeah. I think you were in a similar boat. Whereas, you know, Alonso comes in and people would just see him, they see him in heebie-jeebie, see him going for a pint on seals. But the times you're thinking, hang on, it's my city. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do that. Well, I can assure you, I had a few bevies <laughs> uh, over that time. But I'll tell you what I do. I always think, not just shabby, but other foreign lads. They know more people in town than I do. Yeah, yeah. Because they're friends with obviously they don't know anyone, so it might be the fella in you know flannels that they get the, the clobber from, or where they, they go for food, or and you'd, you'd go into the lounge and you'd see faces from town. You thinking I know his face, but I don't know him. Yeah. And he's with one of the players, and that's where they build those relationships up. Maybe where they get the suits from for the game or whatever it is. Uh, and we've got our own mates close to where we're from. We've got our family around us. So yeah. I always think that, you know, people always say to me, oh, where would you go in town for a drink or something to eat when you book a tab? I was thinking, I wouldn't even know who to phone. You know, I wouldn't know the manager of that restaurant or the, the owner of that bar. But the foreign lads do because that's what they have to do. They have to mix and immerse themselves in in the city. So it is a, a little bit different that than that. They probably have a better social life than... <laughs> The local lads. Uh, when Alonso arrives as a player, comes in and uh, comes in the summer of the summer of '04, and I know I can't get a detail wrong with you, so I'm being very careful. Mm. Uh, comes in the summer of '04, and uh, straight away, I mean, I remember he, he he plays in the Bolton away game, and it's a bit of a mad game, and it's it's one of them which you feel yeah. as though comes as a shock to every it comes as a shock to Benitez at the time. It's the first time he's gone to Bolton, and you can think that they're not the best, but then you actually experience it and you realise how much of a battle it is. But then there's that first that first home game against Norwich where I remember watching Alonso. You were, you were on the pitch, and I remember watching Alonso in the stand and just could not... Because Norwich didn't know anything about him, so they gave him all this space, and yeah. I could not get over the range of passing. What was it like playing with it? You, you must have been looking at that like... It was unbelievable, really. I, I remember that, just pinging balls left, right and centre. And uh, you might say, oh, it was only Norwich, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you've got a, a set team up against you. And, and to be honest, it may be harder in them games because they're all sat back deep behind the ball. Where is the space to to pass the ball, but his range of passing. But you knew straight away in training, didn't need the first game. <clears throat> people says how long it takes for people to settle. Now, I've never played abroad, so I don't know really or what it would be like for me, and I'm sure it would be different. But you know straight away, that first pass in a training session, how hard he hit the ball, how crisp he hit it, it's just little signs like that. So you know straight away you've got a player. But it was interesting you mentioned the Bolton game. And I think uh, the team had been doing all right the first few games before yeah. Shabby came. And Rafa didn't want to leave anyone out. He put Xavi in and played, like a, I think it was like a five-man midfield. Didi still played, and Stevie, and he sort of got everyone in the team, and it didn't work. But I always remember him saying when Xavi had signed, and saying, oh, he's got a great football brain, this lad. 
you know, we've, we've had a couple of decent chats on the phone talking about where we can improve tactically. And I thought, who the fuck this fella think he is? <laughs> Fucking hell. He's only 22. He hasn't even come yet. And he's, him and the manager are talking about where we can improve. I'm thinking, who the fuck's he? You know what I mean? Well, then I thought, well, I'll forgive him and I see how good he was and knew that he had a decent football brain. So I had to uh, accept it then. But that was my first thought. God, he fancies himself, doesn't he? <laughs> That was the, th- the mad thing about him being captain so young, and then he comes in, and uh, you know that first season. There's a couple of games that stand out to me in that one, the Arsenal game, which I think was a big moment for everyone at the club. Uh, mm. The Arsenal home game, you out sprint Henri. Jenna uh, <laughs> gives the big thumbs up to Rafa after yeah. after Alonso scores, but it was a real moment of no, we can do this. You know what I mean? I remember watching that game coming out bouncing, not just because of the last minute winner, but because that was a great side, and Liverpool went toe to toe with them, and, and in fact outplayed yeah. them, deserved the three points, and that that felt like a big one, and he gets the goal that day. He does, and I, I do remember that game because we had Neil Meller up front. Or oh, did Neil Meller come on sub? No, he, came, he started. He started and Pongol was on the left yes, or right, that, I think. That was it, yeah. I was con- for some reason, I was confident going into the game. I think Arsenal had just lost at Man U, or they yeah. had a couple of. De- and I thought, you know what, the crowd, because no one would expect us to win with the team that we had. And you think it wasn't a night game, but it was like, you know, when it's maybe a four o'clock kickoff and it's quite dark and it, it felt like. Floodlights were on. Yeah, that type of atmosphere. And I always remember that. And that was one of the first few games where he played. Stevie as a number 10 I think yeah just just off yeah and Xavi maybe it was Didi or someone else in that midfield and it always felt solid that it always felt you know as a centre you had that two in front you had Stevie there it always felt really a solid team so I was confident for some reason going into that game I mean it probably took the draw yeah really but I mean you know the goal that that Xavi got was a great goal was it right foot he just whips it I think Stevie was in for the Stevie play a great pass or laid it off to him. Lays it off. He does yeah, involve yeah. the move because the move looked like because Gerard turns around gives the thumbs up like we've worked on this. Yeah, we've yeah. worked on this. Bang bang bang. I think Kuehl might have been involved as well off the left. He wins the header yeah. for the winner as well. And I must have been doing defending at the other end when they were working on that. <laughs> but uh, no, great finish. And one of those games where you know the whole country's watching. Because they're obviously two giants playing each you other, can, and just I mean it's almost <coughs> off the point. But you're conscious, you Jamie Redknapp. There. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm con- I want to ask you about that because you now you now cover those games when you're doing your job, and are you conscious of that as a player that there's some games because I think for instance Liverpool go to uh, when Liverpool faced Arsenal a couple of games ago, are you conscious of the idea of listen, this isn't a half twelve, this is a half five on a Saturday, or this isn't it's, it's this isn't us versus Burnley on the telly, this is Liverpool Arsenal. You're conscious as a player that there's some way you're like. This is the whole country watching. We set that we win this game. We set the tone. We send a message out. As players, are you as conscious of that? I always was. I'm not sure if other players were. I was always not. Not that you'd, you'd try, but you'd be aware that it's a big game. The whole. I mean, Gerard Hulier was interesting. He'd mention things like that in his team talk because I think man, I think a lot of managers are all the same. They all like a good press. I don't care who they are. They all read it. They yeah. say they don't. And if we were going away to London. You'd know sort of all the big journalists would be there, all the team, you know, it was a... And maybe they don't see Liverpool every week. This is their, you know... And I, I remember Gerard a few times mentioning that it's, you know, everyone's watching this, everyone will be here, you know, it's a big game for, you know, he would mention that. I'd be aware of it just because I was aware of... Always aware of media and TV, even when I was a young... You know, I read everything and watched all the, the sports shows, and that's right, you'd be aware of it. You don't need the TV to be aware it's a big game, but you're aware that... You know, everyone's watching this. This is, you know, and that's what I always thought. Any any player, well, that's what I'd like to think I did. Was you want to play well in big games? You want to be met because no one. I remember them, but that's seven hundred and thirty-seven. I remember all of them, but people probably remember ten, twelve games of your career. Always the big ones, a cup final, a big derby game, or 
those big Manchester United games, and it's just, I think it's imperative that's performing big games. On that, going back to what also <coughs> the 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 Juventus away game in that first season is another one that yeah. stands out as. As a, I mean, a terrific team performance, but a great individual performance under the circumstances with the injuries. I know you, I, I still think it's funny to think that. I wonder how many games in your whole career you would actually say you were one hundred percent fit for, given the, you mm. know the, the bruising that you get. But that was a real, you know, he was coming back from that injury there, and he, I, you know, I still remember that performance as an absolute a way to think. I mean, you must have appreciated it, a way to think your way through a football match. He was, he was terrific. <coughs> the whole side was as well. He was. We played uh, three at the back that day. Because uh, we played back four in the first game, and they had two, they had Del Piero and Ibrahimovic up front, and they had caused massive problems at all. So Rafa went to a three, and Xavi played the real holding role with legs around him. I'm just trying to think if it was with Biscan and Biscan and Nunes. Nunes, I was just trying to think it was Nunes wing back, so he was obviously tucked in a little bit. And we we had a couple of scares early on, but obviously Xavi was in that midfield and he could calm things down. I remember a pass he played in the second half with his laces on the volley to Barros. We nearly got a, like a the, the, would have, obviously we were going through but it would have been the way goal would have killed it off and I just remember it coming to him on his laces he was battering this ball with his laces into I think it was Milan Barros I think but the big thing about that game was Stevie pulled out with an injury very late I think that's why Xavi played because at that stage I don't think anyone believed that we'd still go on and do what we did Yeah. and it was still imperative that we finished above Everton so Stevie was like that should I play in this or, and I said I actually didn't say you know what it's 2-1, even if you play, it's still going to be a really tough game. This You could still lose to 1-0 away to Juventus. If Evan finish above us, we're knackered for the Champions League. And I thought, well, Stevie might leave or whatever it may be. And I sort of half-pushed Stevie not to play in the game because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, OK. And, uh, but Xavi came in and was outstanding and, you know, a huge win for us. But to come back in a game like that, that was after the Lampard tackle, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, New Year's yeah, Day the Lampard, Lampard tackle, tackle. And to come back in a game of New Year up against the, the best team in Italy, Capello's team, and... For a performance like that, you just know he's a special player. Um, obviously, going to gloss over the European Cup final. I suspect they'll talk to him about it. Uh, but into the following season, because his first season, the one thing, well, the one thing I remember watching him was quite. A, I say inconsistent. There was the injuries didn't help. I think also a bit of a for Benitez and for the way in which he set up, a bit of a surprise about a lot of how it goes on the road that season and for Alonso as well. It felt like that season there was a couple of away games like the Bolton one where you know it wasn't great. Uh, lads, lads didn't seem about right. This I is the first season. The first season. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But Alonso's second season, I still think it could be his. It could actually be his best one. All the time he was at Anfield, oh five, oh six. I remember just everywhere he went. It, it was the shift from being a player who could be terrific in a game to absolutely bossing games. Yeah. I think I remember that season just watching him everywhere and, th- and feeling he was unfortunate in terms of how good that Chelsea. I think he was all aware how good that Chelsea side was. That was played sixteen, won fourteen, drawn one, lost one at the start of the season. But Alonso that season, he was just running football matches. I thought everywhere. He was. That was probably Rafa's second best team. I think obviously two hours and nine, and it was just good that we won a trophy, won the FA Cup that year, and the, the improvement from the first year to the second year was huge. I think in points in the Premier League, and that really felt like again, Soko came in alongside him. Stevie was more to the right hand side of midfield, and it felt like a really strong, powerful team. I mean, brilliant defensively. I think it still annoys me that we never broke the club record for clean sheets. I think we got to thirty three, and the record was thirty four. And we had four or five games of the season to go, and Harry Kew never tracked the runner away at Portsmouth, and he scored the last minute when we won 3 1. I'll just leave that there, but yeah. That was the last away game of the season. That's, that would have put us level. We'd have had two games to beat it, but it doesn't matter now. Uh, 
I think it might. Are you might. talking about Toronto here? Yeah, I, think it, I think it might message I'm getting <laughs> <Yeah>. the impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I wanted, that means like a goal, so I wanted yeah. them records. I think we, we've done 10 or 11 in a row, which was a club record, but the most in the season, I think, was 34, Hanson and Lawrence and I think, but we just missed out on it. But he was a massive part of that because what, what Xavi was, what was different then was for a, a whole midfield player in England, it was a tackler. Xavi was a passer. So even for me, it was an, not an, I wouldn't say an education, you'd seen foreign teams do it, but the fact that our holding midfield player, and it was Sissoko who was running around all over the place and, and being destructive in a different way. Mm. Not like, like what you see Kante do now, yep. really. But Xavi was more just sit in the middle of the pitch and spray the balls from there, but not a luxury player in that. He wouldn't do his defensive duties or would shake out of a challenge. Only thing he did was lack a little bit of pace, of course, but uh, more than made up for it with his brain. On that, again, just to pull you back to this week, Liverpool this week when we played Burnley, um, so I think this might be going out the following week, but it'll be sound. When we played Burnley, just on that quick about the idea of what that lad who sits deep does. Chan, the manager himself mentions it when he did his thing on Match of the Day 2. You must have been good <coughs> about Match of the Day 2 and not on air. And you know what I've taken? I haven't seen it yet. Well, he, he talks well, it's about... It's funny, as I walked past, I was shouting, Sky, I hope you're in. <laughs> Someone was shouting something. I <laughs> uh, didn't know it was you. There was... He, he, the manager talks about Chan decides to basically says Chan himself goes and decides he's got to go and sit so that's not to do with the manager and he, he gave that impression and that struck me as really interesting that the manager was saying you know the formation wasn't great and this and he gave the impression that Chan had decided to do that for himself and I was sort of wondering when after that happened you you know you played under Julian Benitez to the managers you got your most games under Julian Benitez and I was thinking to myself well if I wasn't happy about that as the manager that would have got that would under Julian Benitez, he'd have been told he got he goes sort of ten yards forwards. But yeah. one of the things that occurred to me was the centre half sort of needed him. But I was thinking if you were playing and you were going, hang on, the plan is that you're up there, you'd have been telling him, wouldn't you? That was Yeah, if that if that wasn't the plan. No matter how bad it was, no matter how, how worried you were, you'd no, still no, been... if that wasn't the plan from the manager. No, things change in a game. Now, maybe they weren't expecting to go two up front. Hmm. But but I I didn't have a problem with it because I was thinking Julian was big on this. Having that midfielder really, really close to the centre back, especially with two, and Rafa was the same. They hated being two v two at the back, so the whole midfield player at times, and I mean that was a criticism of both managers that the whole midfield probably played too deep at times. And some people would say, why do you need a whole midfield player at home to Burnley or whoever it would have been when Rafa and Gerard was the manager? But it was basically to make it a three v two. That's what it basically is. Now, if you had a man behind him, you'd say well, you're playing a three a back three because you see a whole midfield player do it doesn't look as the same or right we, we see players do it now in possession yeah dropping uh, between but I had no problem the only, my only problem was was that on the long goal kicks or the keepers kicks or free deep free kicks was that Sham was actually taking up a centre-back's position behind the striker and not going in front not going in front now if we were up against say Duncan Ferguson yeah. uh, you'd get one in front and one behind now late on in my career as you get older, people always talk about you, you lose your pace. You lo- when you lose your legs, the big thing for me was losing my spring. Because I had a good spring, because I wasn't the tallest, mm-hmm. so I needed that. Later on in my career, I very rarely jumped for a header. Very, very rarely. I'd always position myself where I'd get someone in front, or I'd bump someone before the ball came. or Because I thought, if it's a straight me and you jumping for a ball, I'm not going to win it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'd have to find ways of... And I was thinking, as Clavin... Is he is he is he bottling this or is he is this a tactic or is he happy to uh, pass on the responsibility? I don't know what it was, but it basically comes down to having a three v two against two strikers. And in the past, the Julio Benitez would say, and I'm sure, "This is what I thought Jurgen Klopp was thinking. This is all Burnley have got. 
So if we nullify that, that's it, that's done. So I could, people may think, well, why do you need an extra midfielder? But if you, if you kill that area, which we didn't, I must say, in that first 20 minutes, half an hour, if you kill that, that's, there's nothing else but left for them to do. Why it looked a bit funny, just dead quick, we've happened to be doing Alonso, but why it looked a bit funny was there was no, it wasn't as though Ronaldo or Lallana were coming in to sweep the seconds in front. And that's why, and again, the manager said it, but it was clear to anyone who was watching, they were winning all the second balls. So it wasn't just a matter of, because he was behind, they were winning all the seconds as well. And that I thought that was what was made it stick out a bit. Well, there was suddenly this big expanse of space where and they were, they were able to sort of pick up yeah. all the bits and Liverpool weren't. Well, to be honest, I thought it was a tactic from the manager, so I didn't really criticise Emre Chan too much for a half-time in the game. But he has got a lack of dis- discipline, Emre Chan, in terms of where he runs around on the pitch, and maybe that was another case of it. If he wasn't being told to do that, obviously it was a silly thing to do. But you would expect that the manager told him to change that at half-time, and still in the second half, i seen him doing it and dropping in at times, so I don't know. Maybe the manager lost in translation or something, I don't know. They're probably not asking the right questions, are they, on match of the day? Not, not as good as you. <laughs> uh, nowhere near as good as you. Move, sprint forward, go past Athens. Let's get back to Alonso. Let's go back to Alonso. Let's talk about that 08-09 team and then the, the, the stuff either side of it in terms of it being heavily rumoured. He was he, he linked away from Liverpool for not very much money uh, in the summer of 08 and then leaving for a huge amount of money in comparison to most centre midfielders in the summer of 09. And the bit in between when, again, he... And, you know, injury impacts a player. The two years that I've just talked about in the gap, he was injured a lot, Alonso, and he, and you felt like he was never he, he was coming back never quite right. Yeah. And then he, he he managed to get him, you know, in those two seasons, his second and his fifth at Anfield. You see the benefit of he just gets a run of games, a run of fitness, and then you see again him being able to run matches. And that 08-09 team, you think it's the best team, that the, the best of Benitez's sides, I think you're almost <laughs> certainly right. And the strength of it right the way through the middle of the park was, was phenomenal, and he was part of that. He was. I'm trying to get my words. I think the the brilliant thing for Xavi was he wasn't brilliant for five years. But what he did is he timed it brilliantly and that his first two. So the initial impression is, wow, what a player we've got. And then, oh my God, one of our best players is leaving. So sometimes if, if those two years in the middle where he was injured, it had been at the end, you'd have said, well, you know, maybe move him on. But what happened in the in the middle was interesting that the manager bought Mascherano. As soon as he bought Mascherano, I thought... This is going to be interesting how he, he, he sorts this out, really going forward. And it became evident to me straight away, Mascherano was his man. Yeah. He just was. And he was always going to be in that team no matter what. And the big one was the Champions League semi-final, second leg against Chelsea. And it would be Mascherano, Alonso, Stevie in the 10. And we had to go for it a little bit in the second leg. We won nil down. And he put Pennant on the right wing and, Steve, and left Alonso out of the Champions League semi-final. And I thought, wow, that just shows, you know, not that he wasn't doing well, it was just that Mascherano, he just absolutely loves Mascherano. Uh, and he wants to get Stevie in the middle of that period. The well, I think it was more about, no, it wasn't so much that. I think he just wanted to be so much more attacking in that game. We won nil down from the first leg, so we need some width. So we get Pennant on the right rather than Stevie who's coming in. We won the game when Agus scored one, and we won on penalties. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a strange time. But getting into 2009... Did you feel he had something to prove? Do you think he had something to prove to yeah, himself, so, to yeah. himself, to the manager, to well, everyone? If you remember, you know, we talked about how well he did for Spain. He wasn't in the Spain team then. It was Alonso. Was it Alonso? Was it, no, Senna. Yeah. Senna from Villarreal was the, the midfield player. I think Xavi was substitute when he won in 2008. So he comes back the following season. Yet he won the Euros, but he didn't play, as I reminded them. <laughs> and Pepe Reina for the next four tournaments. <laughs> and uh, On morale. Yeah. So he, he maybe he did have something to prove. The last two seasons hadn't gone well. And uh, if you remember that season, he was on the bench the first game. Damien Plessis played. Oh, the European game was that? The European game and Sunderland away. 
because Xavi was looking like leaving the gaffer. Uh, Rafa wanted to uh, leave, sell him and uh, bring Gareth Barry on, I think it was at the time. So it was Umar and Ar and what he was going to do. And uh, eventually, you know, the, the transfer never happened. He got himself in the team and just, it was just out. I mean, it wasn't just that Xavi was outstanding, the team was outstanding that season. So everyone played well. Sometimes, you, you know, because he left, it was sometimes it's made up as if like, Alonso was the best player by a mile. I mean, it was just a great season in terms of the team. He only lost two games. Yeah. We, it was a re, it was a really proper team that, and he, he was a massive part of it, no doubt about it. Sorted out between you and Arbeloa at West Brom. Yeah, when you were going for another clean sheet record, I think was that was. Yeah, that we got a clean sheet that day. And no, Man United won the league the day before, and we were playing on the Sunday. You know, your head's a bit battered. Yeah, and this had been going on for a while, and I'm thinking you're a good player, Arbeloa, but you're not that good. He's playing like Cafu. I was just, you know, just getting more and more wound up. You know what I'm like for getting wound up. <laughs> and uh, I just snapped because clean sheet. He wants to keep a clean sheet, and he was, he was thinking he was Cafu, but he was another one. I was sorry to see go. I should say, ah, below, yeah, liked him. Um, and then he does go, and then it, it, again, that must be funny watching on from a distance. You get to see him because he improves, and I think that's a. This is why it's important with Alonso, and I think it's. I'm glad that Liverpool supporters haven't actually. You know, we can be a bit guilty trying to act like we're the centre of everything. He's had the career that he's had, but he's gone on to to, to Madrid and Munich, and and genuinely sort of had watched, I'd catch some games of him in, in the Madrid midfield, and I think you look a better player now than when you played for us, and that's. That's good to see, in a sense, you know what I mean? If you are going to go, if you're going to leave as a footballer, you, you want to see them continue to improve, and you must have been watching on from afar, possibly a bit jealous at times mm -hmm. in terms of the stage he's playing on, but, you know, he was, he's he's grown and improved as a player right the way through his career, really, in a few senses. Well, he, he did, and you can see that by the fact he got in that Spain team. He actually forced the manager to push Xavi, probably one of the greatest midfield players, if, if not the best ever, into a number 10 position when they win World Cups. People sometimes forget that. Xavi was actually in the holding role and later with Busquets and it was Xavi was pushed further forward from Barcelona. I mean, to get in that midfield, you think yeah. of the players they've got in that Spain one. I mean, the career he's... Uh, I, mean, I mean, when he went to Madrid, of course, there was the big Barcelona thing. So I used to speak to him all the time, always keep in touch because there's very few players who come to the club who are into football as much as me. Yeah. And he was one of them. I know you can speak deeply about the game, tactics, what's that manager thinking, why are you playing there, why are you dropping... I used to always text him last year. I'd watch Munich on the TV, knowing that Pep Guardiola was coming, and he'd be changing something every game, and I'd be asking why, and looking where he was playing, what I was thinking was. So I always, that's why we've always kept in touch, really, uh, throughout that, because he's just got the fantastic brain as a footballer. There's no doubt I think he'll go on to management or a sporting director, whatever it may be. But, I mean, I, I mean, there's a play for Real Madrid then, you know, by, I mean, just... Managers he's played for as well, the experience he's had. Did you just warm more to the lads? Just last question before we, we let you go. But did you warm more to the lads who played, who who loved the game? Do you know what I mean? Like, did you yeah. just instinctively, you know, I'd be the same. I'm why I'm asking you really. You know, the idea of he loves the game. You'd be talking to him all the time, talking to him about matches that you've watched, matches on the telly when you're in Melwood, and then when he's gone, you're yeah. saying there, you know, keeping in touch and just asking a few questions. Why does he do this? Why does Mourinho do that? Why does he? Was that what you'd be like all the time? Oh yeah, yeah. You're always trying to find out why and why certain managers do certain things. And Xavi got it as well. It's okay talking about someone you, you can tell straight away if someone understands football or they get it. You know, you can you just tell straight away. Danny Murphy was another one who got it. You can see that on the TV as well, I'd say. Uh, but, you know, you, you know, you put a game on straight away, you know how a team's playing or what formation they're doing or what the... It took me five minutes extra last night to watch Man United. I couldn't have a clue what they were doing to start with, but then I, I finally worked it out. But it was, uh, you, know, them, you know, the real detail, yeah, yeah. really, of it. And he gets it. And, and to be honest, that's the one thing I'd always say about foreign players over English. People always say they're better technically. I, I don't know about that. 
if I'm being honest. I don't think anyone's come to our club and been better technically than Steven Gerrard. You know, yeah, yeah. I, know I know he's a one-off. I'm using the best English player of his generation, I suppose. But there was not like a centre-back. A centre-back came in from abroad and was like miles better than everyone on the ball or whatever it may be. But their understanding of the game is better than English players, miles better of what to do, when to do it, how the game... You speak to English lads and they just... They play because they're good at football, even though it sounds stupid. I, I understand. You, opinion, yeah. If they didn't have a talent for it, they probably wouldn't support anyone. They wouldn't watch a game. They don't. So that's when Rafferty have a problem in that he bring English players in. Crouch, Bellamy, Robbie Keane, Pennant, all these players, and he'd be doing tactical stuff and they just want to play five sides. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, they, and they're like, why am I cutting in there? Well, because in the game you're going to cut in, he's going to overlap you and they're going to drop. And it's like, we got it. Maybe because we've been at Liverpool, I don't know why, me and Steve, or maybe that Julia before, but they they just, you know what I mean, they just want five sides and a bit of possession and go in. They didn't ever think about the game, and I think that's the massive difference with foreign players, and he was one of the best at understanding the game, no doubt. OK, uh, huge thank you to Jamie Carragher. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have our interview with, Jay, with Xabi Alonso. We'll be behind the paywall tomorrow. Uh, when you're listening to this, tomorrow when you're listening to this, we'll be behind the paywall, uh, £5 a month for the Anfield wrap. Uh, but wasn't that fantastic? Huge thanks to Jamie. Thanks to Jason. You, you can have it for not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll get them to send it to you in advance yeah. if you want. Yeah. We'll sort that out. Uh, thanks to everyone. Wasn't that great? Theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe. Theanfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe to hear the Xabi Alonso interview in full. Uh, and also in general, if you appreciate this sort of stuff that we're doing, a fantastic conversation with Jamie, we're able to do all this because we're able to work on it full time. It's a big deal, really. Things like going to see Xabi Alonso, obviously, are a big deal. And whilst Andy and John really, really enjoy it, and they know how lucky they are to get to go and do it, to do it well, to do it with the prep that you need, it's a full time thing. So do have a think about it. If you've been umming and ahhing about subscribing for a while, there's loads and loads of fantastic shows and a wide variety of different subject matters from terrific interviews with people like Shabby Alonso and Lucas Laver on the one hand to just us messing around being a bit silly hopefully making you laugh on the other to transfer nonsense to tactical stuff there's everything that you need really if you're any Liverpool supporter listening to this I genuinely believe that what on the tour player service that we have at the AnfieldRap.com is fantastic and I think genuinely the quality of it will add to your Liverpool support and life it'll mean you'll walk the dog more often you'll do the dishes more often all the obvious stuff that makes your life your commute will be better I'd like to think anyway yes you can say it's giving it the big one but when the quality is as good as that conversation with Jamie Carragher the one that you can hear with Xabi Alonso and everything else that we do then I think you know we're right to give it the big one it isn't just about the number of shows there are many of them but it's the sheer quality of them as well thanks to everyone really who takes the time to contribute to what we do it comes from a wide variety of different places and when we're lucky enough to get Xabi Alonso it isn't just for us it's for them as well and everyone who's part of that process it means a lot to us the Anfieldwrap.com forward slash subscribe to hear the Xabi Alonso interview it'll be out at 4pm on Friday the 17th of March uh, theanfieldwrap.com you know what we're about come and join us Sports Social Podcast Network